Today we're going to be continuing in our series that we've called Holy Holy, right? Two words that sound the same when you speak them, but they only look different in writing. But they have different meanings, right? Holy, holy. And so it's this idea that we are to be holy in all of our conduct, as it says in 1 Peter, that we'd be holy in all of our conduct. And so we took that phrase and we said, okay, let's break that down into four sections, four categories of holiness. And so we divided that up to devotional holiness, personal holiness, Uh, relational holiness, and missional holiness. And this week we find ourselves in this last one, missional holiness. And so to recap for you guys on on what we've been through and and the um, importance of these four areas of holiness, we started with devotional holiness. This is how we view and act towards God, right? Because He is holy and because He is altogether different and special and mighty and powerful, And so we say we must focus in on God's holiness, who he is. It has to start there, right? And 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 we never leave that aspect, though. Like, it's important to realize that these aren't levels. It's not like you, you, you do really well at devotional holiness and you get to move on to personal holiness. Like, I talk to people who, they've been believers for a very long time, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And you know what? I hear them saying things. They start saying things like, I'm just learning to worship him more. I'm just learning to to view him more for how good he is. You know, you never grow past needing to just simply go to God and recognize how holy and good he is. And then second, we, we come to personal holiness, and this is how we view and act towards things that concern ourselves. So this is repentance, this is casting away the things of old, and realizing that through the power of the cross, through what Jesus has done, you and I have been called holy, we have been made set apart, we're not, we're not that old person anymore, we have been made a new creation and so this is the idea of focusing in on who we are as a new creation and casting away anything that doesn't fit with who Jesus says we are. And then we come to relational holiness. And this isn't going around and making sure that everybody else is holy. This is how we act towards holy, uh, sorry, act towards people in a holy manner, right? And so our relationships as followers of Christ should look different than the world's relationships, We should be humbling and kind and and loving and self-sacrificing those things that we, you know, sometimes don't see in the world. We see a lot of selfishness, a lot of pride, a lot of anger. But Jesus says that the relationships we have should look completely different because we're completely different. And so that's relational holiness. And this week we come to missional holiness, which is how we view and act towards mission. I believe a lot of believers are content in growing in those first three and kind of ignoring the fourth. I think the, if any of them goes ignored, it's mission. Right, a lot of times you, you go to church and you're like, man, we, we worship the Lord. He's so holy. We, we, we love his scripture. We, we praise him for who he is. And, and we're working on repentance. We're, we're seeking out you know, to live holy lives that are, that are set apart. We're, we're doing good. We're not doing those things of old. And we really love each other. And we're getting along. And we're, we're learning how to be more kind to one another. And then we stop there and don't say, now the world needs this. Right, And so another way you, I said that we could view this series is to say, knowing who God is, knowing who I am, knowing who we are, and knowing who they could be. And we can't leave that part out of it. Does the mission 
that God has really called us to, is it important to you? Does it speak volumes to your life that I need to go out there and say, Lord, like, let's reach these people. How can I reach these people? Is that important to you? Is it important to you that the lost would be found? Is it important to you that people would see the life transforming power of Jesus Christ here now today? Or is that some, is that for the missionaries? Is that for the pastors? Is that for somebody else? For us to live holy lives, we have to include mission and invite others into what we've experienced is what we really, what it all comes down to. There is one man in scripture who you could say is the greatest missionary of all time. He took the gospel all over the place. And that's Paul, right? And we look at the life of Paul and we see this man who's completely transformed from a gospel-hating, Jesus-hating, Christian-hating, threat-breather, it says, into a man who is on fire for the gospel and takes it to the world. So I want us to today to look at Paul's life and a few things from Paul's transformation experience. And those few things we can really learn a lot about mission and what we're called to. The first one, and it's really my first point out of Paul's life. We're going to have three points we're going to learn, uh, three points that we'll learn from Paul's life. The first is that we have to know Jesus. That seems obvious, doesn't it? We have to know Jesus. And even though that seems really obvious and seems like a no-brainer in mission, it is so vital and can actually be missed. Let's look at Matthew seven twenty-one. Not everyone who says to me, it's hard to read, sorry. Um, not everyone who says to me, my kid was playing with the glasses. <laughs> Lincoln's fingerprints. I hope they're Lincoln's fingerprints. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> not everyone who, these are so dirty, it's not better. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to hold the clo- phone close to my face. Is that okay? Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them. This is the scary part. I will declare to them. I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So knowing Jesus and being a missionary should go together. But Jesus just told us here in Matthew seven that they don't always go together. There are people who share the gospel for different reasons and actually to to let the world know the life changing power of the gospel. People get into ministry for a lot of other reasons, unfortunately, selfish reasons. And Jesus says right here, just because you did things in my name, maybe just because you preached in my name, cast out demons in my name doesn't mean you actually knew me. That's intense. So the first thing we have to learn about mission is that you actually have to know Jesus personally yourself. You have to have a real personal relationship with him yourself for it to be effective mission, for it to be real mission. 
It's not good enough to just know of Jesus. You have to know him personally. Paul, before he was converted, before he turned from his ways and started following Jesus, he knew a lot about Jesus. He knew a whole lot about Jesus. But he was actually fighting against the gospel. He was fighting against the growth of the church. So he knew a lot about Jesus. He was going around imprisoning Christians. He was a part of even Stephen's uh, stoning. He was, they laid it before his feet. He was approved of Stephen being stoned. So he's got blood on his hands. He was angry and he was, he was thirsty for the blood of Christians. And he's on the road to Damascus. And that's where we'll pick up in Acts 9, 1 through 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked, for, and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the, by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. You see, Paul goes from knowing Jesus to actually, so he goes from knowing about Jesus to actually knowing Jesus himself. And so the first thing that has to be talked about, even though maybe it seems obvious, it isn't, is do you know Jesus Personally, Have you had a run-in with Jesus? Has He actually transformed your life? Is He actually your Lord and Savior? That's the first thing that we have to learn about mission, is that it has to be real for us. Because if you're not sure about it, you're not going to be very effective in mission. All right? It's like selling something that you don't believe in. It's not very easy to do. For us to be effective in mission, we have to go, no, He really is different. He really is my Savior. His work is really amazing. The cross is powerful. I've been transformed by it. I want others to experience this now. But if you're just kind of like, yeah, I kind of go to church and whatever, no wonder you don't care about mission. No wonder you don't care about mission. Because I'm not sure if you've actually experienced it. Now, I'm not going to judge. That's between you and God. But believers, if if He's really transformed your life, we have to live on mission. It's just the natural next step. To proclaim the good news, the life-changing reality of the cross. This isn't, we're not just starting some religion. This isn't just some good works, kind of like, let's be good people and tell people that we're good people sort of thing. Like, what is the point in, in, in just doing religion, doing morality, coming together on Sunday? Like, 
No, it has to be about the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. And if it's really been life-changing for you, the next step is to want that for others. But I will say this. Paul doesn't just meet Jesus and then move forward and start preaching the gospel. There is another element. Both are very important for living on mission, and we'll get to that. And so maybe, maybe you know Jesus, maybe you don't. I'm not going to judge, but I'm going to let you discern that in your heart. Am I, do I really know him? Have I truly given my life over to him? That's step one. Step two is we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to live on mission. So maybe you know Jesus, and the reason you're not passionate about mission is maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit upon you. Now, the Holy Spirit indwells all believers at salvation, but there's also something that the Holy Spirit does when He comes upon you and gives you power. Right? It says that when you believe, when you confess, that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So you've got the Holy Spirit, but there's a, another filling, you could call it. And people debate this in, in, in the church. They, is it a baptism? Is it a filling? How many times does this happen? Is it a one-time thing? Is it a many-time thing? Well, I'm not going to get into all that today. We might do another series down the line on the Holy Spirit. We'll get into all that. But right now, I want you to know that you need the power of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit on your life to live out a missional life. To live on mission, to make Him known. You have to have the Holy Spirit. And this is, was even true of Paul. In Acts 9, um, we'll pick up in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. <laughs> like, you know how sometimes when somebody says your name, you're like, uh-oh. Right. Like there's certain relationships where you don't say each other's names a lot, like maybe with your spouse. Right. Like Melissa and I say a lot of other things beside each other's names. It's like, you know, babe, hun, you know, things like that. But if like we're in an argument, we're a lot more likely to use each other's names. Like, listen, Stephen. <laughs> right. Like if I hear my name my name, it's like it's either weird or I know I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> uh, so. The Lord's like, hey, Ananias, like, and like that's going to get his attention. And he said, here I am, Lord. Like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Ananias, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. What a good name for a street. The Straight Street. Which street are we going to? Straight Street. And at the house of Judas, uh, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he, is, here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Okay. Ananias comes, and he prays for him, and he regains his sight, and scales fall off of his eyes. But more importantly, Paul receives the Holy Spirit. Right? He meets Jesus, and now he's blind, quite an experience, but he's just there praying. He's just there praying. Ananias comes, prays for him, his eyes are healed, but more importantly, his spiritual eyes are healed. He receives the Holy Spirit, and the next thing that we see Paul doing is he starts preaching the gospel. Verse 20, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. Do you see what the Holy Spirit does in someone's life? Immediately he starts proclaiming Jesus. Saying he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, um, he receives the Holy Spirit, and then he goes and he starts immediately preaching about Jesus, proving that Jesus is indeed the Christ. That's some, that's some powerful stuff right there, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. What is the Holy Spirit here on earth for? Do you know? Right? Jesus said he would give a helper, a comforter. Right? The Holy Spirit has a lot of roles. He's a healer. He does miraculous things. He, he helps us in the process of sanctification, producing fruit, producing spiritual gifts. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit is on the earth to make Christ known. Because it's by the name of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. It's by the name of Jesus that we can call upon Him and say, Save me. I need you. Be my Lord and Savior. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is to make Christ known. And all the other things that He does in our lives and in this world are all ultimately pointed towards mission. They're all ultimately geared towards Christ's name be more known, to be spread throughout the earth. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. That's why the Holy Spirit empowers His church to grow the church. There's another man who is transformed from just a simple fisherman to a fisher of men. But two things had to happen in his life as well. And that was Peter. Peter meets Jesus. And when he meets Jesus, Jesus says, Hey, Peter, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. So he has a personal relationship with Jesus. He's following him around for three years, learning from him. And then when it comes time for Jesus to be crucified, he denies Jesus three times. But then after Jesus rises from the dead, 
Jesus restores his relationship with Peter, forgives him. Interestingly enough, over some a breakfast of fish, some breakfish. It's one of my favorite jokes. Okay, whenever I go camping, I always say I'm going to catch some breakfast. Uh, he restores his relationship with Peter, but Peter's still not a missionary, right? He, he knows Jesus. He betrayed Jesus. Jesus and him, you know, make good. But he's still not a missionary yet. In Luke 24, 49, I really can't read it from there. (laughs) Luke 24, 49, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus is leaving earth. He's about to ascend and do one of these, like just float off. And he tells them, like, I I want you to go out into all of the world and make disciples. I want you to go out into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want you to go out into all of the world and be my witnesses. But go into the city and remain there until you're clothed with power from on high from my helper. Why did the, the... Disciples have to go and wait, like in the city. Was it because like the Holy Spirit wouldn't be able to find them if they went somewhere else? Like, is the Holy Spirit very lo- location oriented? And like, no, he's he's God. He's a part of the Trinity. He knows all and sees all, just like Jesus, just like the Father. So it's not location based. Is that's not why they had to wait in Jerusalem? Was it because the Holy Spirit was late? Right? Like out of the three, you had Jesus and, and the Father who are always on time, and they're always like, Where's the Holy Spirit? Like, he's always running behind. Like, Jesus, like, hey, he's really awesome, but he just runs a little late. <laughs> right? No, that's not why they had to go and remain in the city. It's not why they had to wait. It's not because the Holy Spirit is late. Why do they have to go and wait? What do they do when they're waiting on the Holy Spirit? They were praying. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, Peter starts preaching, and they see thousands, thousands accept the gospel. And then from there on, as those men were empowered by the Holy Spirit, they see thousands and thousands of more. And then it leaves Jerusalem and goes to the nearest areas, Samaria, and, and further goes beyond that. We see them start... Pretty quickly in Acts, we see them as far as Ethiopia and, and Asia. I mean, it, they're just spreading like crazy. But they had to wait to be clothed with power from the Holy Spirit who comes, comes from on high. Amen. We have to wait. And so we know Jesus, but we need his power, don't we? We need the Holy Spirit's power. Listen, maybe you don't have the drive, the passion for mission because you haven't waited on the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you went and just waited on God, prayed to Him for longer than just a few requests? Lord, please help me here. Please help me here. All right, Netflix. Lord, I'll read one psalm and I expect you to change my life. When was the last time you waited on the Lord? 
really waited for His Spirit to come upon you, to clothe you with power. Man, if you do that, when you really know Jesus and you're clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit, man, mission can really start to happen. Lives can really be changed. And God will use you to do it. So there's a, two things that we learn from Paul and even from Peter is that we must know Jesus and we must receive His Spirit. The third thing we can learn from Paul is how to con- contextualize the gospel. Now what do I mean by that? The message never changes. Right? It is a sin. It's called heresy when you start changing the message of the gospel. Right? The message never changes. The word of God never changes. Truth is not relative. It doesn't change. God proclaimed what is true. He gave us his word and he gave us the gospel and it doesn't change. So contextualizing the gospel doesn't mean we change the gospel. It means that we change the way that we preach it. It means we change the methods by which we go out. But we never change the message. 1 Corinthians 9, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. So he's talking about mission here. He's like, listen, I'm going to tell you some keys to living on mission here. I want to reach more of them. I want to win more of them. I want to win as many as possible, he's going to say. So he says, hey, even though I am free, and I'm a slave to no one, right? He's like, I'm a slave to no one, but I make myself a servant to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To those, uh, sorry, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. See Paul's heart here? I want to reach as many as possible. I want to win as many as possible. So I become a servant to all. I, am, I embrace certain elements of their culture. And I, I, you know, like you're talking to someone who's all about the environment. Tell them about the one who created the environment, who loves it more than them. You know what I'm saying? You can t- contextualize the gospel. I'm really about green energy. You know who really likes the earth too? He created it. He's holding it together. Let's talk about him for a minute. If you love the creation so much, you're going to love the creator. You see, there, you don't necessarily use the same tactic to every single person. What, what do they care about? What's important to them? Get to know them. Because the gospel speaks to all of it. Right? Like I, I've, I've done a lot of evangelism. Different. I've done 
relational evangelism where I'm just building relationships with people at work or other places and eventually you kind of earn their trust and you have an opportunity to share the gospel. I've done street witnessing. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, I've tried both sides. You know, what I find really important is just showing them that you care, really hearing where they're coming from. Right? I've done both sides, street witnessing, right? A lot of the people who get rejected right off the bat when they're street witnessing is because they all simply go, let me tell you about Jesus and start just going off on them. And they go, hey, like, chill out. Like, I'm actually a Christian. If you had taken two seconds to ask, you wouldn't have wasted your time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I've literally experienced that with, like, people I've gone witnessing with. They're just like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And, like, when, then the person just lets them go on. And then they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. And you're like, oh, I should have asked. <laughs> like, right? Take a moment. I, you know, a lot of times I do is I just talk to people for a few minutes. And you know what? You start to see where they're coming from, and then you can speak to it. Right? And so if you're talking to somebody who's all about the environment, talk about how Jesus is the creator and loves, loves the earth and told us that we should be good stewards of it. You know? I think Paul today would say, you know, to Austinites, I became like the Austinites. Right? It's okay to embrace certain parts of culture. Now, you can't become a drug addict for the name of Jesus. To the drug addicts, I became a meth head. That doesn't work, right? Because, again, we don't change the message. We don't change the word, right? To the murderers, I started murdering. Like, right? That doesn't work. So there's a limit to it when it crosses the line of sin. But there's a lot of things that are just life, right? Types of food, types of music, certain cultural events. It's perfectly fine, and it's actually better to embrace those things for the sake of mission. To contextualize the gospel. You will find in different cities and with different people that different things are important to them, and the gospel really does speak to all of it. So contextualize it and share through that sort of means. So we learn this from Paul. Here's the thing, though, church. Um, and the reason why... I went to such a basic view of mission. Why I went to just really what the basics are is this. Though we say things like, I don't share the gospel because I'm scared, or I don't share the gospel because I don't know enough, or I don't share the gospel because I just don't think they're going to receive. We say all these things, but I don't think those are really the reasons why we don't share. You know, it's, it's really important for us to focus less on how and more about why. Less about tactic and more about the heart. Less about ability and more about necessity. We get hung up on these things, but they're not the reason why you're not sharing. They're really not. They're really not. If you, if you really know Jesus and you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you're willing to contextualize to serve others, right? I don't like that music. I don't like that band, but I'll go to the show with you to build our relationship. I don't like that restaurant, but I'll go eat there if that will help our relationship, right? There's a lot of things. Those are just basics. But if we're willing to contextualize the gospel, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we know Jesus ourselves, we stop saying things like, I don't know how, and we start saying, oh, my notes messed up. I don't know how, and start saying, by any means possible. We stop saying, 
um, I don't know enough and start saying he is all knowing. He has equipped me. He will give me the words to speak. You stop saying I'm scared and start saying he has not given me a spirit of fear. I am bold in him. You stop saying they will hate me and start saying, well, he loves them. You stop saying I don't have time and you start saying they're worth the time. You stop saying I can't and start saying I will. Church, today, if, if you struggle in any of those three areas, if, if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, today you can say, Jesus, I want to know you personally. I want you as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're like Peter. You, you know Jesus, but you've done some stuff that's harmed the relationship. And so you feel distant, and that makes you feel disqualified for mission. Say, well, Jesus, forgive me. And he forgives. He already forgave your sin on the cross. And he's willing to restore that relationship over some breakfast. Okay? But if maybe, maybe you know Jesus, but you just don't feel any passion. You don't have any drive. Then wait on the Lord. Remain and request His Spirit to be upon you. If there's sin in your life, repent of it. If, if there's distractions, if there's things in your life you just don't need there, just get rid of it and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm willing to do whatever. Like, just lead me, guide me, be upon me, clothe me with your power. Maybe, maybe it's time that you just wait on the Holy Spirit. Number three, are you willing to serve all? Because mission takes humility, and it takes putting others first. And you, from Paul telling us here about how he is successful in mission was by being the servant of all, though he was the slave of none. He is willingly saying, I will serve them, I will love them, so that I can get the gospel to them. So we need to know Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit. And we need to love others in a way that we can contextualize the gospel for them. Um, today, I wanted to have my grandfather come up and share about his most recent missions trip. Perfect, perfect timing, right? Uh, we're talking about missions, and he's going to share about his most recent missions trip. Uh, my grandfather has spoken here at our church a couple times. He has been a missionary for 40-some-odd doesn't matter, right? Because it's for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's his mentality. It's like, it doesn't matter how many years. Just keep going. Uh, and his most recent uh, missions trip was in Myanmar, right? And uh, he just got back and asked him to come and share a little bit about it. He's been doing missions all over the world for the last 40-some years. And so if you want to just share about your most recent trip, as our church, we've been praying for him and even support him a little bit on the trip. And so we're really excited to hear about what God did. And... Um, yeah, and then we'll, when you're done, we'll go back into some worship and everything. No, you do get a pulpit. Get your own pulpit. (laughs) Oh, yeah, my pulpit. Praise the Lord. I so enjoy.
<laughs> I think he's going to be showing a few slides as I'm sharing this. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, another day. It's all right. Yeah. They're just pictures. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the word we've heard. Heavenly Father, we ask that you continue to be the teacher here. Continue to minister your life into our lives. Get us on page with you, Lord. Get us in step. Lord, we can't do anything unless you're doing it. We want to walk with you. We want to know you. We want to uh, see your mission fulfilled, Lord, your desires. So, Lord, put us on page. Get us going. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, because of the time and short, I want to just read a report that I've already written, okay? Otherwise, I'll get to talking, and who knows when it finish. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just start out. I want to thank everyone for praying for the 12 days I just had in Myanmar. It was very obvious people were praying who know how to pray. Our Heavenly Father gives grace when we look for it, and when he puts us in a place where only by his grace can we do what he put us there for, it helps a lot. The enemy set me up for a failure, but Jesus overruled. On the day I was to depart for, from Austin for a 21-hour flight to Yangon, I had diarrhea. <laughs> Knowing our Lord had made it clear it was his will for me to go, I preached and I proceeded in the first step for of a tight schedule. I found it was better not to eat at all or just a very small amount. This helped a lot. Mostly drinking water and coffee. After three flights, I arrived in Yangon where I met up with Brother Thara. He took me to a restaurant, but, but I wasn't inclined to eat. Close to the airport, because we had to catch a flight, my fourth flight, to the east side of Myanmar to the the designated area of Golden Triangle. In the town of Tashlik, I was to start teaching early the next morning for a total of four days. Golden Triangle is well known for it being a drug center of the world. It's uh, probably the largest uh, drug center there is. It's been there for hundreds of years, and it's just horrible. Anyway, so they have really needed the gospel. My subjects were vision, the church, and the work of Christ Jesus. God willing, I will share some of these some other time with you later. The purpose for their meeting was to celebrate the past 10 years of victorious ministry in the strongest drug center, I believe, in the world. They've been very faithful, and their testimony is powerful. I believe our Lord is quite pleased with them, and he wants to bless them more by bringing in more discipleship to multiply the workers for a ripe field, please pray for them. They don't have much of a vision for discipleship. If they ever get that look out, they're powerful. We then flew back to Yangon. Then the next day we took an eight-hour bus trip to Ostalik. Because of the issue, it was one of the longest journeys ever <laughs> because of my issue. <laughs> which is the small price to pay for the privilege to participate in what our Heavenly Father is doing in Oshili. 
Dara's brother-in-law, Andrew, who I had worked with before in another area, has been there now for a while. They are of the Chin tribe. There's 360 tribes in Myanmar. And they're of one of the tribes, the Chin tribe. The majority of the people are Buddhist. Only 3% are Christian. So there are millions of Buddhists needing the gospel. Andrew is older, and he has a very powerful testimony and is known throughout the country. Thara also has a good testimony and speaks four or five languages. Thara taught in Bible school for several years, and about 70% of his students are in ministry. Believe me, he is a true student of the word. Thara is not your typical professor of theology. Another faithful disciple is Moses, Andrew's son. He was a lot of help and seems to really love the Lord Jesus. He wants more teaching. Andrew Andrew goes out into the smaller villages where the government has had failed to put in schools and has established boarding schools. They are are with them, with the children, 24-7. They're just there all the time. You know, they live right in with them. And it's pretty awesome. <clears throat> Wherever they've gone, churches are born. They've done this in several areas throughout the country. They're getting to be pretty well known. They get these uh, schools in there, and then they go in there, and they make friends with the children and the parents and stuff, and they get relationships going. Pretty soon churches are born. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. They've really found a niche. Let's see. uh Andrew and Thara both seem to really appreciate the unorthodox teaching that Richard McDaniel and I, along with others, have been bringing, and they want to hear more. Please pray for wisdom on our, on our parts on how to move forward. We were there for three days. Then we took the bus back. It had a much better air conditioning. My issues were still there, but held at bay by not consuming fuel. <laughs> Back in Yangon, we met with Joseph, another faithful minister who was, has helped a lot with translation and many logistic things. I also met up with Dave McCarthy and his wife. They are from Primeville, Oregon. They are working with a group who do ministry with orphans, doing a good work. Uh, they have been in Yangon for about two years and would appreciate your prayers. By the time I got home, I was dehydrated. So I went into the ER and was put on a drip and given some antibiotics. And now, praise the Lord Jesus, I'm doing great. I found grace in Christ Jesus to do the small mission he sent me on. Thank you all for your participation. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Grandpa. just from what I heard, I want to point out a couple things, right? Servant of all, mission doesn't stop when you get sick. <laughs> That's powerful. Um, I don't know how many people would keep going, <laughs> right? Uh, preach the gospel until you end up in the ER. <laughs> um, you know, uh, or even the people there using the fact that there's no schools in certain areas, right? Contextualize, how can we provide a need so that they see the love of Jesus? 
You know what I'm saying? Mission is, is everywhere if you're willing to look for it, if you're willing to open your eyes to it. It doesn't mean you have to be the person on the corner, right, just preaching, right? It can be a lot of things at your workplace. How can I utilize my workplace for the mission um, of the Lord? How can I um, meet a need in this area that's not being met for the mission of the Lord to make His name known? All right, so whether you're here or maybe God sends you elsewhere, we can all live on mission, but we need to know Jesus, we need the power of the Spirit, and we need to be willing to serve all to contextualize the gospel. Let me go ahead and pray over us this morning if the worship team wants to come back up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this testimony of, of the work that's being done in Myanmar. Lord, we uh, thank you for my grandfather who's been serving you faithfully for a very long time. God, we, um, I just pray that we would learn from that example, Lord. Um, Lord, if there are areas here in our, our lives that you want to do amazing things, that we would be open to that, Lord, open to you working through us to reach this city, God. Lord, you want to use us, but oftentimes we're not willing. We're not willing to wait on you. We're not willing to pray. We're not willing to contextualize. We're not willing to put in the time, the effort. Lord, would you, would you transform us? Will we get to the point where we truly want others to experience that life-changing reality of the gospel? That what we've experienced is so amazing, we, we can't help but share it. We can't help but want to invite others into it. Lord, so I pray that this time as we sing these next songs would be a time where we, we confess sin if we... If we need to, we, we request your Spirit's power as we need it, Lord. Um, and that we humble ourselves so that we will be able to reach the city and beyond. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.